extremely difficult. I mean, it was a beautiful retreat, but it was also two months after my brother, Zachary, passed away. And um, I almost canceled it. My sister was coming on the retreat. Some of my best friends um, were coming on that retreat. And I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to hold space for 10 women um, in and and be processing all of this. Hey, y'all, it's Baldo here. And I want to help you unlock your next level potential with a discounted ticket to this year's Howdy Health Fest happening in December. Use code HDYHPOD25 and enjoy a weekend filled with world-class biohacking products, top health experts, movement, connection, and recovery, and maybe even some ice baths and some nice sauna time. Remember, this year's festival is December 2nd through 4th. It's going to be an exciting time. We are committed, committed to you to bring you the best experience that your health can achieve. But we ended up, my sister and I talked a lot about it, and she's like, he would want you to do this. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Howdy Health Podcast. I am uh, very lucky to introduce our fellow guest here. It is Danielle Gertner, and she has an amazing brand called Own Your Shit. I'm also joined with our wonderful Aaron Dom, and we got Yash in the back there, though he doesn't say much, but... Uh, Danielle, please introduce yourself for everyone. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's super awesome to be sitting in this chair with the IV in my arm. Uh, my name is Danielle Gertner. I'm an ownership coach, and like John said, own my sh- own your shit is my my brand. It's what I love to do. I'm a self mastery coach, habit and mindset transformation, fitness, everything, taking radical ownership over your life and turning off autopilot and turning on a whole lot of fuck yes i hope i can say that yeah you can okay cool yeah you, you can say it. we already have the e <laughs> on everything even my uh the two or three minute segments that come out right it's already explicit i'm like i know i don't cuss in that but whatever whatever yeah. just we're labeled just <laughs> i feel like we could go through and probably all the ones with me on them have the most cuss words so you're Sweet. fine well it's funny because i'm not the one who usually cusses first you know so i just like and then it sets the tone for everyone like Did i can I do that right up? i'm like i guess yeah so cool. we're already there now awesome. we're already there yeah. we've, we've earned our e Glad, glad we jumped well, in early. Well, with own your shit brand, I mean, you gotta, come on. You kind of got to expect yeah. it. Okay, yeah. so own your shit. What does that mean? It means a lot of things. Uh, owning your shit means taking radical responsibility over your life. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that really inspired this was, it's not always your fault, but it's always your responsibility. And um, for a long time, I was I played the victim in all areas of my life, um, blaming my parents, blaming society for my shit and got pretty tired of that because it didn't lead me anywhere. And, um, so yeah, taking ownership and owning your shit is, is taking radical responsibility over every part of your life and, um, living your life by design, not by default. I like that. So the responsibility looks like what? The responsibility looks like you deciding the life that you want to live. Um, but big, big believer in the power of choice. Um, you choose how you show up to the moments you show up, you choose how, what energy you bring to the table and what energy you allow into your world and out of your sphere. Um, and that responsibility is owning that, that power of choice every moment of every day. And then by design, I like that. Right. So, because Mm -hmm. it is the choice, right? Like I think people really have to look at it glass half full, glass half empty. Right. And I can see it in a different light than you can. Mm-hmm. the responsibility i like the word accountability yeah mm-hmm. right is also the same thing and 
the responsibility almost seems like it's one dimensional sometimes to people. Mm-hmm. But I think when you have accountability, you have uh, someone you can lean on, something you can lean on, right, as well. And so I think that's where you come in as a huge role for somebody, right? The accountability aspect of saying, hey, I'm going to call you out. Yeah. Right? I'm going to call you up. Yeah. Call you up. Call you, I'm up. Call you up. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And call you up. So you've been working with clients for a while now. Yes. What is some of the most common things that you see amongst your clients? Uh, well, the biggest clientele I love to work with are women in transition. Um, so like me, and, and, and I think this is a lot with, uh, a lot of the case with coaches and, uh, business owners, we end up serving old versions of ourselves and mm-hmm. the women that I serve are definitely old, older versions, past versions of me. And, um, I was really motivated and driven you know, throughout my entire life, I was checking off the boxes, right? I was student government president since I was in like (laughs) fucking first grade. Um, I literally remember my mom forcing my friends to write on pencils, vote for Daniel Gertner for president. Um, Uh And I, yeah, I checked off these boxes. I went to the University of Florida. I was, excuse me, I was super involved, Um, had great full-time job offers when, when I was about to leave. And uh, I thought that well, this is it. This is the this is the secret of success and happiness. I'm following what everybody else told me to do and and who to be. And I had the the partner. I was dating somebody for about five years at this point. Graduated from UF, started the business, had the community, blah blah blah. blah. Everything from the outside looking in. I also had found the gyms. So like you know, my ass looked fat, my arms looked strong, <laughs> and uh, I still felt like shit inside. I I couldn't hold my own gaze in the mirror. Um, I didn't really know who I was. I knew knew who everybody wanted me to be, um, but I had no idea who I was. And it was a big wake-up call. It was a really scary wake-up call um, because it was in that moment that I realized I had a choice. I could continue relying on everybody else to tell me who I am and who I should be, or I could figure it out for myself. And so this is, these are a lot of the women I, that I serve and support are there. Usually they have uh, full-time jobs. They have incredible resumes they have beautiful homes and maybe they're in partnerships but they come to me and they're like I have no fucking idea who I am I don't know what makes me happy I don't know what makes me excited I'm just going through the motions every day and um we crack that shit wide open (laughs) yeah yeah so the women it's really fascinating to see this you know from you and your perspective because what I've seen from you and the way that you approach how you help women uh I've seen you start a workout that has now gotten i think as much as 50 to 60 women yeah. in the class mm-hmm. at once mm-hmm. uh pretty sick it's <laughs> it's pretty amazing aaron's been over there yeah. right this there last week yeah we were there last giving week. out the it's, juice it's really really cool just to see how you you know you started it with your small group that you started it with and now you've got all these people the, these women that are like just so hyped and speaking the brand and speaking about the workout and you know, that's the influence is a weird way to say, it, but that's, you know, the energy that you bring to things. It's like, this is yours as well. It's not just mine. No, and that's one of the effort, things I absolutely sure. love about you. So sorry, John, go ahead and finish no, your that, thought. Well, that was why I wanted the perspective because <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. it's so much more than what you just talked about. And it's great, right? Like everything you said, the transitional aspect, but when I would see you w- with these classes, from my perspective, I was in the gym and I would see, uh, like I think speakers were set up, right? And then you would meet, you know, set up beforehand. And, uh, you know, I see everyone, like I would see you scrambling, like what's about to happen? You're like, oh, we're about to like have this awesome class right now. I'm like, what do you mean? You're like, oh, just watch. 
and all of a sudden like 60 women show up and then everyone gets together and then all of a sudden like there's like almost like a group yell you know like some chanting a little bit you know like <laughs> we but, chant we do chant sometimes yeah, but it's incredible because there's this unison of women 60 women all at once that are there for the same reason basically to let loose yeah which is interesting because they're working out tough and they're working out mm-hmm. like ferociously and it brings a whole new side to femininity because it's like the side that you can be this mm-hmm. empowered strong individual and you're not afraid to show other people how powerful you really are. Yeah. And, yeah and, and it's cool. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because when, you know, we think of femininity and ma- masculinity, we think, you know, the feminine is that soft. It's that, you know, but it's also that motherly, that fierce, like, let's take care of each other. Let's be there for each other. Like, your matriarchal societies thrive because everyone is helping everyone else whereas you know and maybe i'm not right in this in this statement but masculinity a lot of times is that strong that hard but also pretty individualistic and i love that your that your brand brings that idea of community femininity where it's like we can be strong we can mother we can take care of each other while taking care of ourselves yeah I think um first of all thanks for the love it's (laughs) been an incredible ride over the last year uh warrior women atx is the tits if you're in Austin and you have not been there that's there's no better way to say it except it's the tits and you need to be there um but you know the the initial idea was I've been told my whole life I'm aggressive, I'm, uh, I'm loud, I'm in your face, I'm dominant, and those were things that I, um, I loved about myself, but in, in a lot of situations I really shied away from and was, it was kind of a shadow aspect of, am I too much, am I too much, am I, rah, grind too hard, guys are afraid of me, um, which, that's a whole nother story, um, but I wanted to create a space for women to be able to celebrate their divine masculine because all of us have masculinity and femininity. We Mm -hmm. we carry both of it. And uh, it's been cool because actually over this last year, I've tapped more into my femininity as I'm leading this group of more masculine driven energy, uh, which has been really cool. And to see these women be able to come out. And the other thing, the, the other initiative was I was tired of, and if you are a bar instructor, yoga instructor, I love you. I'm not shitting on you at all, but I was tired of these, Hey, let's go to these really gentle feminine classes. Where's the space for women to fuck up some kettlebells and to flip tires and to do burpee broad jumps and to wall ball it and snatch it all over the place. And I really wanted a space for women to not only learn how to do those movements but to feel comfortable and feel celebrated Mm -hmm. in that energy because holy shit it's powerful to snatch heavy weight over your head and to flip a tire especially around your other girlfriends and then we can go off and do the nice feminine dainty things like go get our toes done or something like that Mm -hmm. but we're gonna get to work first and the way that I've seen that energy carry over into these women's lives in other aspects has been incredible Mm-hmm. some of the stories that we've heard right yeah you're right so take us through that process of you starting to develop this program because what's interesting about it this has been a year almost september 10th will be a year and mm-hmm. i mean it's been a, a hit and a success since the beginning since day one since day one i think the first workout we had about 40 women show up 40 women yeah. the first and, and yeah. the thing is you have to cap it right because really like yeah, now we do. <laughs> right? Yeah. But tell 
take us through that process of you thinking like, okay, I'm going to start this, your vision, like what, what happened there? Yeah. So, um, I can't say this without giving credit to Jamie, um, who was a huge supporter and, and help in us creating really this idea together. We were sitting at collective and I had been wanting to start a female only boot camp for a long time. I was already doing a boot camp called Austin grinds and it was co-ed and it was fantastic, but I had a lot of women, especially at the gym that I was going to that was open gym and it's intimidating as hell for a woman who has no idea what she's doing in the gym um and we were i I had this idea for a long time then i see this empowered brotherhood start popping up which is this big men's group in austin and i'm like well shit they're they're doing this like where is this where does this exist for the women and um i just kind of decided in that moment i was like i'm gonna start something like this and i happened to be at this workout where jamie and i connected and I was sharing with her, like, I want to start something like this. And she's like, oh, well, a couple of these girls have been talking about it. Let's, you know, let's combine forces. And um, Warrior Women ATX was born, like, maybe a week and a half later. And, yeah, that was the vision. Is At first, I, I did not envision this many women getting together. It was like, oh, maybe we'd get five to ten women to come out. And Because I was also doing Spartan Saturdays. I run Spartan races, and I had some teams that ran Spartan races with me. And, um you know, it's not a lot of people showed up because the workouts are hard and we're carrying heavy buckets of freaking rocks and Mm -hmm. shit. And, um, I didn't know how it would land and it just, yeah, it's blows my mind still. Every time we show up on a Thursday and we see more and more women Mm -hmm. showing up and more and more women bringing other women. I brought my, some girl brought her boss last week. Mm -hmm. And so the, the original vision was safe space for women to celebrate their divine masculine. That was, that was really the vision for me and and the intention for me. And we've done that and so much more. There is truly a sisterhood, truly a a community Mm -hmm. beyond what I could have ever imagined. And we just came off of an event last weekend, us empowered brotherhood and ATX sprint squad. We had 150 people out at Roy G Guerrero park. And so now we're bringing together the, the, the masculine group, the men's group that's doing the men's work, the women's group doing the women's work. And to see those collectives, it was called sweat collective for a reason to see those groups come together. It's like, Holy shit. What did we do? Like in the best way possible, what did we do? That's amazing. It's cool. 150 people coming together and it's all like-minded individuals really. Right. Like, what would you say the collective is the ideology of why they come together? 150 people. Um, so for the for both groups, it's there is, I think, a, a, a deep importance on doing the individual work. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't realize that until Warrior Women started. I've always done something co-ed I never was in like a women's circle or sisterhood group it was always like I was one of the boys Mm -hmm. and to see this work being done separately and individually is really powerful because we can go a lot of levels deep um, with your sisters around you or with your brothers around you and then once that work is done once we've peeled back those layers and we've opened up um, doors and windows in your heart that we didn't, you know, maybe wouldn't have otherwise been able to tap into in the co-ed space. And then we bring that openness together. It's just a, like a sea of openness of, of humans that, um, see each other for so much more than like a bunch of hot girls and hot boys working out, you know? And I feel like that exists a lot in the community, but this is such a, an intentional space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a 
extremely powerful space. And I think that's the collective is like we recognize the importance of the individual work, the separate work, I mean, of men doing the men stuff and women doing the women stuff. Um, and then recognizing what happens after we've done that work and we bring it together. Mm-hmm. We change the world. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Because you change every individual's world. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these women who show up, I imagine there's some that bring friends, but there's some that are just showing up by themselves. There are women every week that show up by themselves, mm-hmm. and we celebrate the shit out of them. We put them in the center, and we just, I won't tell you what happens, because we'll ruin it for every all the new women that are going to come because of this podcast episode. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah, cause, because, you know, that's brave in itself. I, I grew up. And I love my mama, but my mama instilled in me, like, you better be the strongest fucking woman in the room. There's only room for one of you to succeed, and it better be you. And that is just what, that was the the mindset that I grew up with. Women were, it was like, I I wrote about this uh, once in my journal. I was writing about um, just the journey that I've been on with with my relationship with women. And my mama, you know... (laughs) I love her, but women were okay to have friends like at a distance. It's kind of like, you know, as long as you're at a safe distance and you don't come into my territory and try to steal my shit, we're good. But as soon as you get a little too close, like, all right, I got to outshine you. And it was a very, I had a very unhealthy relationship with my own femininity and with just femininity in general. And to see these women, um, let down that guard and to allow other women in and we talk about this every week at warrior women like you are welcomed exactly as you are none of us here are trying to outshine each other and it's a lesson it's i gotta swallow my ego every week she comes up every week wanting to outshine and witnessing what happens and allowing these other women to step into their light and their power we are rising every single day as a collective it's incredible and just so everybody knows, I'm getting an IV right now. That's why Ethan Ethan's in here hiding morning, in the corner. Ethan. So I'm, I'm letting Ethan. them continue. But <laughs> <laughs> for anyone listening or watching the video, I'm Aaron, this is Aaron. I'm getting a I'm getting an IV. So you might hear weird sounds. It's fine. <laughs> it's all good. Everybody's okay over here. Yeah, uh, I promise. There I'm are medical okay. professionals around. I'm totally okay. <laughs> That's it's true. That is completely true. Uh, I think it's really interesting. It's hard for women, I think, to connect with other women. I've just, I've heard that. I've seen that. Like, it's just, it happens, right? Um, And when you have a woman who lets their guard down, I think it takes a lot to get to that point. Mm -hmm. So it's really incredible, the community that you have helped create, because you have a safe space where someone who is a random person who shows up feels like, I want to be part of this community. Because I feel like it has something for me. It can make me better. It can maybe make my life better. Right? You talked about changing the world. When you have someone whose world is not where it wants to be. I mean, like, you know, you talk about the depression, anxiety the last couple of years. I mean, this was birthed out of the pandemic years. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, Which is incredible. Yes, when yes. everyone was told to stay away. Yep. And I think that's incredible. Last thing we need, you know, and, and to your point, I, this just brought, brought up a quote of, uh, I read, um, I was in Costa Rica for five weeks uh, in June, and I read The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, fantastic book. And one of the quotes in the book that has really embodied the the the, the way that I've wanted to live and, and have, have tried to live every day is the way of the warrior is not... Uh, 
invulnerability, but absolute vulnerability. That is the warrior's way, absolute vulnerability. We think of a warrior as this, you know, person with armor on and protection and you can't get close to me or I'm going to fuck you up, you know. But the the reality is, is that a true warrior, a true warrior wears their heart on their sleeve. A true warrior shares and, and, and says what they need to say, feels what they need to feel and isn't afraid of loving even when it's hard to love. And um, that has been such a powerful reminder for me when I want to close and a a powerful reminder for the other women in the group when they want to close, when they think they're going through something and they need to go through it alone or that nobody's going to understand. Really what we define as a warrior in warrior women is ultimate unconditional vulnerability. Open yourself fully. That is how I know you're brave. I don't think you're brave if you put on a front. But everyone does. They, They do. Everyone does because they were taught that. They were taught that. You know, you have um, roles that become defined throughout, you know, the ages that say, like, you know, you're supposed to act a certain way and you're supposed to do a certain thing and you're supposed to wear a certain thing. I mean, I think being who you are and really believing in that is part of the process of just growing up, becoming an adult, becoming a human, going through life, et cetera, right? But it's hard. It's really hard to just accept who you really are after a while because sometimes people don't like who they are. Yeah. And that's the thing is they say, all right, well, how can I improve this? What do I do? You know, and I think that's what people want is they want answers. They want solutions. And what I think is also great that I have to mention, too, besides, you know, people you know going and connecting with others, that they show up. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you have to want someone to make a change. Right. It's not easy enough just to say, I'm, you know, I really want to lose 40 pounds. I really want to sleep better. I really want to, you know, you know, go find that significant other, you know, like it's hard to do that. Right. Because the work starts with yourself. Yeah. And I think that's why I like the own your shit brand, because it starts with the individual Mm -hmm. saying, all right, I don't have it together. I don't have my shit together. Like literally like, all right, how humbling is that for that person who is the high and mighty executive? Right, the high, the, the successful person who becomes a millionaire, really, because this happens with them too. Their life's dysfunctional. Totally. It doesn't. I mean, money's not going to bring you organization. Mm-hmm, no. I can tell you that right now. And money is not going to bring you all of the things we're promised, right? And I'm lucky that I learned it at an early age. I was on this conveyor belt, you know, at at the University of Florida, which I loved my college experience, but. When I stepped off the conveyor belt and realized where the trajectory of my life was going, which was a full-time job with, you know, I had an offer from Amazon and the YMCA, and that was the trajectory of my life of job security and financial security and health insurance and like, rah, rah, cool, these are all, these are all good things. But at the end of the day, for me, if you cannot look at yourself in the mirror, even when you didn't show up as your best self, let's say, because I've fucked up, there's been many times where I'm like, okay, I probably could have handled that differently, but I still love myself through that. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I I think it it is hard because what it, what it really is, is rewriting stories. And we have so many stories to rewrite. Mm -hmm. And I don't think our parents, I don't think society, I think in some ways it's intentional, but I think in a lot of ways it's unintentional, the stories that they, they project onto us and then are repeated time and time Mm -hmm. and time again. 
and to step into, you know what, I'm going to choose my story. I'm going to be the author of my life. I'm going to rewrite my story is brave as hell Mm -hmm. because you are rewriting and shattering perspectives and, and belief systems that literally run deep, deep, deep in your core. And that takes, that's brave. That's Mm -hmm. bravery. It's generational that you're trying to break. Generational and also stuff that you may not even remember from your childhood because a lot of our belief systems are set, I think it's before the age of eight. I might be off on that age. Yeah, zero to seven. By age of eight, yeah. Yeah. Food habits, all of that. So that's that's a really beautiful way to look at it. Like you have to choose. You are really the only one that can actually make it happen. Yeah, we can offer you the tools to support it. But if you're not willing to take those tools and run with it, that's just behavioral science 101, which is really so cool to un- that a lot of people are now understanding it because 10 years ago when I was in college I would tell people about what I was learning and they're like that's weird and now everyone wants to know it mm-hmm. I mean we have encyclopedias at our hands which is kind of nice but no I love that and how you said you know where you were on that conveyor belt and you decided to step off I call them my lifetimes because like I can look back two, three, four years ago, and I was a wholly different person. Heck, even a year ago. So it's so cool that like that you're actually putting those things into words that are digestible mm-hmm. for everyone. Thanks. So yeah. yeah, and it's 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 a daily commitment. And this is one of the first things, you know, I run a six month self mastery program and a mm-hmm. radical confidence blueprint course. And no matter what program it is, the first session together, the first coaching call is really understanding the depth of the commitment that you just made. And we spend the entire first session, 90 minutes mm-hmm. on, do you, are you fully committed to this decision? Because it's a lifelong decision. You don't just say, okay, yeah, I'm going to own my shit here, but I'm not going to own it over mm-hmm. there. It is a daily commitment that you are making to yourself to show up mm-hmm. to the work, show up to the work every single day to own your shit. And there's still areas of my life where I struggle to own my shit. And we're going to talk about it at the lunch and learn today. Mm-hmm. Where in your life are you still struggling to own your shit? Because I know that room is going to be full of a bunch of entrepreneurs and leaders that are really good at putting on fronts mm-hmm. and being like, I got all my shit together. I'm owning it all. Bitch, no, you're not. But you when can tell inside me. You're, you're screaming <laughs> you can in tell your me. own head, it's fine. Yep. <laughs> we're all there. So, no, that's awesome. I'm actually really looking forward to that Thanks. lunch and learn. We do go live on Instagram, or we always go live on Instagram oh, for snap. our lunch and learns Catch and record them. <laughs> that goes up on the network, right? Awesome. Yeah. Here yeah. I am trying to tell you guys things, and I'm not even 100% sure how it works. That so. sounds good to me, actually. Yeah, she'll link it. It's fine. That's why Yash is here. He yeah. Um, no, I love that. And, you know, the fact that you offer the lo- the longer programs. You have some shorter programs as yeah, well. Yeah, the, the Radical Confidence Blueprint course is six weeks. So it's okay. kind of the, hey, I want this work, but I want to dip my toes in the water, and I want to mm-hmm. kind of open myself more gently because my self-mastery program is six months. Yeah. And we go we well in, we in go maintenance deep. you have to do you know i think they say it's 21 days to make a habit but really it's it's six nine weeks least eh, 21 yeah. days to make a habit 90 days at minimum mm. to change a lifestyle yeah minimum to in change six months with you you know that you know <laughs> that change your fucking world no. yeah. <laughs> oh well, I love it. <laughs> well it's it's interesting because my the program used to be 90 days 90. um and i ran that program about four times and i realized the, the a lot of the women were signing up for three more 
more months of coaching, mm-hmm. three to six more months of coaching with me. And I was like, huh, if they're doing this, that means there's there's more integration to be had. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're integrating every day for the rest of our lives. Every day mm-hmm. is an integration. Um, every day is the work. And so I, I, I was talking to my team last year. I was like, I think we should do a six-month program, three months of, you know, more of the top-down learning of let mm-hmm. me, you know, we're going to work through the mindset shifts and story work and NLP and all of that good stuff. But the second three months is bottom up is the Mm -hmm. embodiment. It is the practice. One of my favorite quotes is written on my mirror is this is not a knowledge game, but a practice game. Mm -hmm. Life is not a knowledge game. It's a practice game. You've got a shit ton of knowledge, right? But what does that knowledge do if you don't put it into practice every day? Mm -hmm. If you were telling people don't eat shit, don't eat sugar, but then you're going and eating sugar, like you're not changing your life. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about that a lot in the program. Like, yes, you're going to get a lot of knowledge. You're going to get new ways of looking at the world and looking at yourself and rewriting these stories. But if you don't commit, again, going back Mm -hmm. to that commitment to, to, to live that, to practice that every moment of every day, Mm -hmm. it's not going to work. Yeah. I call it my vault because when I actually put things into practice, I'm like, oh, yeah, I learned that. I have that knowledge base from many, many years ago. It's it's the I was reading an article, um, really, really good article. I can't remember the guy's name right now that that wrote it. Um, but it, there's these different levels of, of learning. And the first one is unconscious incompetence. Mm-hmm. Right. That's level one where we're not aware of what we don't know. And then there is uh, I think it's conscious incompetence. I'm skipping a level. But the last one is unconscious competence, mm-hmm. unconscious competence. And that is what we're trying to get to here. I don't want to think about eventually the, the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the ultimate goal is that it becomes a habit. It becomes a part of my lifestyle. Um, and I'm doing it with intention. I, I changed that story. I changed my unconscious with that, with that intention. Yeah. yeah. I, I've also read that article and yeah, cannot think great. of his name. I just shared it with my girls too. It's yeah. A, it's such a good one. Um, yeah. I love that. And, and the constantly learning and finding new ways to offer to, you know, your clients, your friends, whatever they are to you, you know, is they're really my client cool. friends. Client friends. They're my I, client friends. I like the way you I put call it. all my clients my client friends. Client friends. They are my client friends. That is friends. a good way to put that. Um, yeah. And then you also offer, you know, you, you offer the short term, the longer term, you know, your weekly workouts where it's like you can come, hang out, learn everyone. And you also do retreats. Do retreats. Which, you know, myself as a retreat leader and a training person loves that for you. Um, and fun. you were in Costa Rica because you were doing a retreat. Um, and then you decided to spend some extra time for yourself. Yeah. So I guess talk about your retreats a little bit. Tell us about them. Yeah. Because um, I know you have one coming up in Austin I in do. October. I do. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for that plug. Yeah. yeah you see that, guys? I got, I got managers. I, I got, I, I got it's little. A, it's okay. I read things. But also, I was kind of creeping on I appreciate Instagram, that. Let's be honest. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so retreats are a newer journey. My first one was last June 2021, which was um, – extremely difficult. I mean, it was a beautiful retreat, but it was also two months after my brother Zachary passed away. And, um, I almost canceled it. My sister was coming on the retreat. Some of my best friends, um, were coming on that retreat. And I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to hold space for 10 women. Um, and, and, and be processing all of this. But we ended up in my sister and I talked a lot about it and she was like, he would want you to do this. And so, Yes, I lead retreats. Um, I have the Own Your Shit Breakthrough and Own Your Shit Immersion. So Own Your Shit Immersion is uh, not plant medicine. It's um, self-mastery, leadership, women empowerment. It's so fucking fun. Um, We did a dirt church 
workshop that was that's one of the workshops I do on the retreat uh Ava was there and it wasn't intentional that everybody ended up naked covered in mud but that's what ended up happening by the end of dirt church it was incredible mm-hmm. um so I do that and then the a newer uh, version of that is the ownership breakthrough that I did in January which was plant medicine so I sat with ayahuasca for the first time January of this year I had a group of women join me my sister being one of them mm-hmm. and um and then this retreat retreat here in Austin is called Fuck Your Fears and it's a more local uh, opportunity for women all over the country to come and um, as I say it on the flyer and I really loved this line that I came up with is um, use your fears as the fire to fuel your soul Mm -hmm. instead of you know paralyzing you and stopping you from what you want to go after fear is actually a really beautiful thing really powerful there's a lot of wisdom there Um, there's a lot of things that I've been scared of and again coming back to that power of choice I can choose to let that fear paralyze me and stop me or I can look and lean into that fear and and discover like what is the wisdom there and what happens what's on the other side of that fear and I am way braver now than I was you know obviously before my brother passed and there's very little things I don't know if this is a good or bad thing but there's very few things I'm scared of now um because honestly the scariest thing that could have happened to me happened to me it's already happened um and um yeah so the retreats they're great and we're gonna have a lot of fun there's a fire walk included um on this retreat if you are interested ladies it's gonna be a great time and uh, i'm really excited maybe i'll bring them here yeah get get them some little get them some iv drips yeah that'd be awesome we can also also come to you ethan loves to do that kind of stuff we have the dopest airbnb i love it we've done that we can do that. All right. All right. We've definitely gone to retreats. And okay. Things so like now that. we have MSW lounge. Yeah. So we're going to come give you some vitamins. <laughs> there and, you, go. you know, we can also give you some supplements. I love it. Danielle's drinking our uh, fruit punch. Uh, I am. Non-caffeine. Right I'm also eating. No caffeine in that. I'm also crickets. eating crickets. <laughs> you want another cricket? Uh, yeah. I'll take Which I'm cricket. definitely still tasting from earlier. But I think I got a leg stuck so. in my. I got a leg stuck in my throat. Yeah. So we're eating crickets now. Because uh, it's plentiful protein, and according to uh, this company, it's sustainable, mm-hmm. right? One of the most interesting things I've seen about that is um, there's it's a cooking show. I can't remember, probably Netflix, and it's one of they give you a bunch of ingredients, and you have to just make something from it. And it was like sustainable food, and one of the girls got crickets, and she made like this oatmeal with them. Ah, it was like I mean she was also given oats, so but I was just like like a protein oatmeal. I was like I would eat that. I dig it. <laughs> yeah. We said it tastes like sunflower seeds. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, it's not bad at all. I, I mean, love them. It's it's like for people who wonder what crickets taste like, it um it's very sun. You're right, sunflower like seeds. seeds. Yeah, it is like a seed. It's Somebody very said that. It's like a buttery. Yeah, like, buttery seed. Yeah. 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 Somebody said that to me. I was like, that's exactly what it tastes like. So I, at first I was like, kind of like beef jerky. I was like, no, not really, because the consistency is not beef jerky yeah. at all. It's crunchy. It's, it's salty. It's definitely bro. sunflower it seeds. It is. It's like, crunchy. If you eat the shell, which I do. <laughs> which I don't think are. you're supposed to do. Well, but. I, don't, I mean, I've had hormigas, you know, with your aunts. Yeah. And so, like, it's, it's very similar. It's just that crunchy, like salty kind of flavor it's, it's like a potato chip kind of salty snack totally. that's what it is yeah right? but if, it's almost like a beef jerky yeah yeah like, i'm interested cool. to try the uh, dill pickle version i liked i liked all the well, all my... well just looking here at nutrition you know you have your protein right there right and mm. then you have uh you have your 
vitamins. You have some gut stuff. I you're got more vitamins. You're getting an IV right right now. Vitamins. Oh, I'm almost like, done. Look at me yeah, go. You, you, you did pretty well I'm for your first slurping uh, it up. Yeah, first IV here. I was worried I was going to pass out, guys. I'm not going to lie. Like, she had me hold her am hand. I gonna, am I going to pass out? She overcame a fear this morning. <laughs> she, was, she was like, okay, we're doing this. Every, yeah. day. Every <laughs> damn day. Every damn day. I, th- I think it's cool. I, I have, uh, I've watched over the past couple of years like your, uh, your growth, and I think it's incredible um, what you do for the community. Thank you. And, and, you know, everything that you're trying to do to help improve others, I think you probably view it more of as a calling. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it's more of like this this crusade, this purpose of saying, you know, I think I think I've done well on myself. I know I'm improving it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what this is what happens with a, even kind of what you were going with earlier. When you reach a certain level of comfortableness, you almost feel this part of you that feels obligated to share it with others because yeah. you kind of figured out a lot. And then you say, well, I can give this to information to people as a tool. Yeah. What we've done with vitamins is make it fun. Yeah, you have. Right? Done we, a great job of that. It's fun. It's not like just taking your Flintstone vitamins back in the day. Like, we really made them I fun. I mean, Flintstone vitamins were still fun. That's they that's, just that's tasted what they came, like chalk. That's what, they, that's what they had to come up with back in the day. Yeah. It still tastes yeah. like chalk. Ours, <laughs> tastes, Ours tastes good. Ours so tastes delicious. Chalk. This one's fruit punch. Yeah. And if you remember the old Hawaiian fruit punch, which I don't think even exists anymore, it definitely He's not like going to come crashing through the wall right no. now. That's Dude the Kool-Aid man. That's the Kool-Aid man. Oh, that is the Kool-Aid man. Dude freaks me the fuck I'm out. I'm aging okay? myself. That's so you got over that fear real fast, yeah. right? Yeah, but just like... <laughs> Sorry, John. This John's is trying, to, John's trying to make a really that. sentimental point right now. So I was, I was trying to go back to him. I'm trying to recalibrate here. Anyway. <laughs> He's uh, used to this with me. When you get to that point where you actually figure this out and you try to share it with someone, what happens is you think about it in a different light where that becomes your focal point. Yeah. Like your focal point isn't on you anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Your is on others, but it's a different kind of way on others. Like yeah. when people give away their energy throughout the day, I tell them you don't have anything left for yourself at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If you start by giving yourself all your energy at the beginning of the day, it's not selfish. It's a necessity yeah. because then what happens is you function better and then you're better to everyone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really how it transforms, but it's a different level of frequency because when your body's running in this loop, Right, it's hard to break that loop because, like you said, you're doing the same thing over and over again, becomes routine. Right, for think about it 20 days, 30 days, then it's like six months. I'm like, oh, wait, it's been six months, this is just what I do now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I didn't realize it. But when you change that and you break it, showing up's there, and you say, well, I want you to show up again. Yep, okay, Mm -hmm. like I want, I mean, what we didn't talk about was like how many people return back again, right? Because they're like, okay, I did all this, and the integration part is like. All right, I think I got it. I think yep. I got it. And it comes to a certain point, you say, okay, I think I got it all. I'm going to teach someone else. That's when I think the communal part of it is this, it's it's um, a give and take. When you go sit with nature, it is a, a frequency that you get from nature. It gives. Nature always gives to you. Nature is always there to give. We never give enough back, mm. right? So I think it's important to emphasize with community that you have to give back. Mm-hmm. You, there's an app in order to grow, you have to give. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, to your point, I mean, it stopped being a choice. Um, when I first started on this work, uh, my knees fell asleep. If that's a thing I had to uncross. Totally (laughs) can't. But it stopped being a choice. You know, there are, there are everything, many things in life. Most things in life are, is a choice, but 
but me doing this work is no longer a choice. Mm -hmm. It is what I was put on this earth to do. And I downplayed that for a really long time. I didn't want to be too much. I didn't want to be too much in people's faces and too passionate, overly passionate, but I don't have a choice. This mm -hmm. is what I'm here for. And I know that wholeheartedly. Ayahuasca was a, a, a helper and reminding me of that for sure. But that's, it's not a choice anymore. I wake up every day knowing exactly what I need to do that day. Even if it's with one person, if it's reminding one person of what their power is and what their um, capabilities are, what their magical powers are, then then my work is done. Mm. And all the other stuff is really cool and extra and, and fantastic. And I'm so grateful for the platform to be able to share here. Um, but at this point, it is no longer a choice. It is a duty. It is a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And if I don't show up and live out that responsibility, I'm doing myself and the world a disservice. And I've always heard that from leaders before. I'm mean, like, I don't really understand. No, I fucking understand now. Mm -hmm. That's the responsibility part. Yeah. Yep. And you I also understand. have a natural magnetism that is going to draw the right people to you for you to serve, totally. to help, to lead. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and until people can find that magnetism and understand where their strengths are, they're in that spot where they need someone to kind of give them that gentle push. Maybe not off the cliff, but in that direction. Yeah. Although some of us need to be pushed off the cliff. <laughs> some of us do need to be I yeah. mean hey I've been pushed off the cliff, cliff many times by my mentors and mm -hmm. and and friends you know that that have reminded me um who I really am mm -hmm. who I really am who we really are you know strip away all of this fancy shit that we have around us who are we at our core and the more time you spend in nature the more you remember we are nature mm -hmm. we forget we think we're separate we are the same made up of the same stuff as the grass the stars the sea everything we are the same and um thank you <laughs> handing <laughs> gonna us need the, that in a moment the gauze and stuff mm -hmm. for the ivy um we forget that we forget that because we are so distracted we are so disconnected we are so caught in this thing that i clearly couldn't put far away from me mm -hmm. for this podcast episode i needed it right by my <laughs> right by me just in case you know something happens. i've been i had to text for the gauze so. just in case yeah um <laughs> And that also, that's why I leave for Costa Rica. I mean, I started going to Costa Rica. I've been times before, but consistently last year, last June. And it's, uh, it pulls me back so often because it's a recalibration mm -hmm. and it's a remembrance of when I come back to Austin or wherever it is that I go, this is fun, but this isn't real. This isn't real. What's real is going out into, you know, sitting in front of the ocean, which I get to do for five weeks at a time and remembering that one day when my body is not here, my energy is going to flow with these waves. And when my brother passed away, I went on the craziest woo woo journey of where did he go? Where did he go? His body is not here, but his soul, his energy didn't just, it didn't just die. It went somewhere. And I get, I won't go into all the woo-woo ways he communicates with me because there's a lot of them. <laughs> um, but that remembrance, like his passing has been one of the greatest gifts. And people hear that and they're like, how? That, that probably sounds crazy. And my mom and I were talking about this the other day. Um, she's, she's getting there. She's getting there. But I, I can't imagine as a parent losing a child. She also lost her sister before I was born. So she's lost both a sibling and a child. Um... And, you know, she said to me, she said this to me a, a couple months uh, ago, um, like, you seem to be handling it 
better than you know me or my sister or, or my dad and it, it's and I said to her I was like I'm not handling it better I'm handling it different mm-hmm. and I'm handling it different because there is just a, a such a deep knowing in me the more I do this work the more I realize the facade that I've been living in and this 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 illusion that I've been living in that we are living in mm-hmm. the truth of who we really are which is which is love and nothing is more important than love I don't care how mad I am at somebody now my parents included there's a lot of shit that came up when he passed away anger and and resentment but at the end of the day we are love and when you own your shit truly own your shit and you sit with yourself long enough to own it to the level that I've been able to you start to recognize at my core that's really all I want that's all I want to receive and that's all I want to give is love I don't know how we got there, but we got there. You know, it never makes sense. And I love how you said you know his soul is there because, you know, the law of physics, energy is never neither created nor destroyed. So when we die, we're still here. Like everything in the universe has always existed according to that, that principle. And, you know, you say that and some people will push back and some totally. people will be like, nah, this is what it's supposed to She's be. She's just saying that to make herself feel better. Yeah. But it, I mean, if you're it, going purely true, scientific, works, right? that is true. Oh, does it work? But yeah. didn't it work? It you hear them in the trees. You you know, you feel them in the music. All the red cardinals like that. that fly. Oh my gosh. Cardinals. You got that one too. That's it's, my aunt. It's uh, It was really powerful when I came back from Colorado after his celebration of life. Um, I lived in a tiny home in a backyard mm-hmm. and actually I think you've been to your, did you go to my house? Whatever. It doesn't matter. No, no, Side-track. I didn't. <laughs> it was a dope house. Yeah. But I was, remember you talking. It's covered it, in bamboo trees and I'd never seen red cardinals back there mm-hmm. before. And I come home from the celebration of life and my first initial thoughts were like, how the fuck am I supposed to exist in Austin after this? How, I don't, I don't know who I am, what is real. And I walk into my yard for the first time and I shit you not. There is a bird's nest next to my front door, two red cardinals sitting in the bird's nest. And they stayed there for about three weeks after he passed away. It was the craziest thing ever, ever. Mm -hmm. And some other very woo-woo things happened. Um, But it does make me feel better. And yeah, again, it depends how deep you guys want to go into that. So I'll stop. (laughs) Hey, it's it's okay. My my two-year-old niece when my aunt passed away, looked at me, you know, when I came home and she goes, I see, I see grandma Nana. That's what they called her. And I was like, Oh, how do you see her? And she's like, she's that Cardinal over there. Mm. And I was like, that's a two year old telling me that. Well, they say that, I mean, I mean, kids and people dying, right? The Mm -hmm. two ends of the spectrum that are closest to wherever it is that we came from and wherever it is Is that that we're going, going. they, that are most connected. And there's mm-hmm. a reason for that. Even, you know, my grandma passed away eight months before my brother did. And so that those last two years have just been a shit show. And, um, I just remember, um, there was just a, a really beautiful calmness about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my grandma was always very calm, but you could just, and I would, I would tell my sister this, there's just like, she knows. And my brother too, my sister and I've talked about his soul knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that his time was short. He didn't consciously know it, but his soul knew it. Um, I don't think if he had the choice, he would have gone the way that he did. Um, and that's been the hardest part to wrap my head around. It was a, an accidental drug overdose, uh, which I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, but his soul knew in these really subtle little ways, 
really subtle little ways. Um, like the, the idea, I'll just share this real quick, the idea to cremate him versus bury him. So I'm Jewish and in Judaism, we bury, we do not cremate and we bury within usually seven days. And, um, so things were, things happen very quickly when somebody passes away in a Jewish family and, um, we're sitting at the, or right before we were going to go to the funeral home, my sister says, she's like, I don't feel right about this. I don't think he wanted to be buried. Mm -hmm. And she brings up this story. When my grandma passed away, they were, my brother lived with my parents the last year of his life. Uh, he went, he moved out of Gainesville. When I moved out of Gainesville to move to Austin, he went to Denver and my sister, him were living with my parents. And he said something in the kitchen of like, I don't want to be buried, cremate me and spread me across a golf course. He loved golf loved golf mm -hmm. and my sister thank goodness fought for that like advocated for I don't think he wanted to be buried and um you know going back to why I am so passionate about the work of own your shit is he was struggling so much more deeply than any of us realized and I look at people on the street and I wonder how many more people are struggling so much more deeply than we will ever realize. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, there's so much, I feel like I could say it's, I, I'm more passionate and more committed to my purpose than ever before because of him. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I love him. Zachary Scott Gertner. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And our catalysts aren't always pretty. What pushes us in the direction of what our purpose is or who we are or what is meant to happen next. So sometimes it's the most surprising one that gets you to where you're going. The universe, uh, the universe and I have had many conversations, yeah. um, many of them sober, some of them under the influence of plant medicine. And there's, we've, we've joked, we've laughed at the really the cosmic joke of a lot of the ironies of my brother's passing. He sadly passed away on my parents' wedding anniversary, which uh, I don't think was a coincidence at all. And we don't have to go into those details, but um, that's something that's been brought up in, in the family and talked about. Um, he knew exactly what he was doing. He, he, he always made his point. <laughs> he was the most annoying person to argue <laughs> with in the world. Like he would never shut him up. Like he was, he was right. He was always right. Um, and he was very, you know, just very in your face with his points. And he was very in his, in, in all of our faces with, with this point of him leaving in the way that he did. Um, and no, there's, there's no coincidences. And mm -hmm. I believe that, I believe that more than ever. And what I, I shared this the other day on, on Instagram, um, with my wiggles, right? Y'all know I mm -hmm. love to wiggle. I love to dance. And I was dancing, you know, long before, you know, he passed away. But when he passed away, it was, I had a choice going, coming full circle back to this power of choice. It rocked me in mm -hmm. every way. I mean, I remember coming back to Austin and my first workout back at Squatch, I was doing squats at Squatch <laughs> and I dropped the barbell dropped it behind me. I started hysterically crying. I fell to the ground. I forgot who was there that came over to me and was like, did you just hurt yourself? I'm like, my heart is, yes, my heart is so hurt. Please mm. take my heart. Um, 
and I didn't know how I was going to live and how I was going to continue running my coaching program and this retreat that was coming up. And I remember crying just in despair because that was the biggest, most powerful emotion. It wasn't anger. It wasn't fear. It was despair. Mm -hmm. And I remember crying out to him of just like, why, how, where, like, why did this happen? And this voice came to me of like, choose, choose, choose to be paralyzed by the pain or choose purpose and choose to love harder and choose to lead with love. And so I chose and I choose every day. And trust me, it's hard as hell to choose love sometimes. Mm. Y'all probably know. There's some people like, I could punch you in the fucking face right now. <laughs> I could cut you out of my life real easily right now. But I don't, nobody needs that. I don't need that. This world doesn't need that. So I choose love. And I hope y'all listening, choose mm. love. <laughs> Always choose love. Yes. Yeah. Even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. It's tough to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tough, but that's part of the process. It's not a magic bullet. It's a couple of things, showing up, having that mindset change, and then, you know, taking the action afterwards. I, everything that you shared is probably the way that is the best form and the best response, I guess. I guess more anything else is like, look, you're not going to stop. You're not going to slow down. You realize that things are going to be up and down throughout life. Uh, at this point right now, especially in healthcare, there's some things you can't explain. I mean, there really is. A, we will look for answers. We always look for answers. But what's incredible about it is usually the answer is in front of you. So you can have someone show up and say, well, I don't know if I have the answer, but maybe Danielle has an answer. You know, maybe she has an option. You know, maybe something that might help me. And that's how, like, if you think about it, that's how people heal. Like, Al-Anon, if you've ever heard that, is for families of people who are going through alcoholism. Yep. I mean, and then you just say, well, just let's get together and talk about this. Alcoholism and, and drug addiction, because somebody had recommended that to us yeah. um, during, you know, some Because some of diseases. that. Yeah. And because it's really like, it's one of those things like where the love's not going to go away because imagine if the love was gone, yeah. right? Then you're like, then there's no hope really because you do need love. Yeah. Love beats everything. Love beats fear. Love beats guilt and pride. Love beats bliss if that can even be the case, right? And so what's incredible is if love can be felt for even a brief moment in time, no matter what kind of connection of love it is, it's it's appreciated so much more. So even when you're in the moment of it, that's why they tell you to be present. Like literally to be present because you can experience love at that moment even if it's for half a second. And if it's gone again, you can say, oh, well, at least I had that. At least I had that. How lucky are we to feel this deeply? And the pain aspect of it is is interesting because pain, usually people don't want to feel pain at all. And and that's the problem is that you cannot get rid of pain. You cannot get rid of fear. You cannot get rid of ego. Like you need these things. It's mm-hmm. You need evil just like good needs evil, right? It's, otherwise, you wouldn't know the difference. But if you don't care, then that's fine. You have to basically understand that whatever you give purpose to, it is like you said the very first thing it's the hardest thing for anyone to ever understand but it's because of this is like if you want to be sad you can be sad all you want if you want to be happy you can be happy all you want it's literally like talking to a six-year-old because you tell them the same thing hey you spilt your milk you can be happy if you want to because now you don't have to worry about it you can move on or you can be sad about it and if that's what it takes for you to get over this 
and you be sad all you want, but realize you don't have to live like that all the time. You don't have to run in that frequency all the time. Yeah. You can't live in love all the time. Let's be honest. Mm. It'd be great. You float around in a cloud of marshmallows <laughs> and chocolate and all that. It's just like a bliss. Might, I might push back a little bit on that. I might push back on that because I don't think that love is believing that we're floating, like that everything's all good. I can be angry as hell and still live in love. I can still live through the lens of love, of of like Ram Dass says, loving awareness. That doesn't mean that everything I'm aware of feels good. I'm lovingly aware of my pain. I'm lovingly aware of my jealousy. I'm lovingly aware of my anger but I'm still living in love. It's appreciation. Yeah. It's appreciation. Gratitude. Well, that's, that's interesting because that's at that point, the growth factor of what it takes to understand that pain is inevitable. It, it, it doesn't have to be constant, but it helps you grow. Mm. Right. Mm. You take an ibuprofen because you don't want to feel the pain, but you said, no, just sit in it for a second. Like just sit in it like ice baths. Perfect example. Right. Ugh. When you sit in an ice bath <laughs> and it's painful, like your toes are on fire. And then they just go numb. And then you're like, I don't feel them anymore. What is pain? Because you push past that and all of a sudden you're like, okay, here I am. I'm just sitting in it. That's the gift, right? And and this is really relevant to a conversation I was just having with the girls who are in the Radical Confidence Blueprint course right now. It's this idea of we get so attached to our emotions when really emotions are just energy in motion. And if we allowed ourselves Mm -hmm. to allow these emotions to just flow and not become so attached to the story, it's like if you've ever heard, excuse me, if you've ever heard of that headspace, uh, the meditation app, they use this example, like sitting on the side of the road, watching traffic go by Mm -hmm. the traffic is your thoughts and your emotions. Are you going to jump into the middle of the highway and start chasing the traffic? Are you just going to sit and observe? And can you give yourself the gift of sitting and observing? And we were talking about this on the call. One of the girls was really frustrated. She's like, I don't understand how you tell me I can feel my emotion, but not become it. How do I feel what I'm feeling and not become it? And what the answer that I gave her was space, space. Are you responding to life? Or are you reacting to life? And I have a podcast episode about it because I was historically a reactor if I felt something like pain everything in my life had to now revolve around it my thoughts my actions my beliefs were all around that pain if I was experiencing fear same thing if I was experiencing anger same thing but if I give myself the space to take a breath recognize I'm feeling pain in my body and here's the difference too I am sad versus I am feeling sadness those are two very different statements Two very different statements that allow me the room and the space to feel without being. The only thing I am, for me personally, is love. Every other feeling, because to me, love is not a feeling, it is a way of life. I can feel happiness through my love. I can feel bliss through my love. But love is not a feeling to me, it is a way of life. It is the lens in which I choose to see the world. But if we give ourselves that space and we detach, not disassociate, we disidentify from an emotion or a thought Mm -hmm. or a feeling, I now have freedom to move more freely and fluidly Mm -hmm. through the range of my humanness instead of being come so fucking attached to just one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to use this analogy because I used it yesterday. Use it. In the same conversation. 
Uh, we're antennas, and emotions are the radio stations. So what happens is that if you want to be, going back to it, you want to be blissful, you put on your favorite song, you go and dance, yep. because that's going to raise your vibration mm -hmm. and get you out of that sadness loop that you're like, okay, everything I do is sad, everything I see is sad, everything I touch, everything I eat is sad. And you're like, I don't know how to get out of this loop, right? And so mm -hmm. what's great about emotions is that you can do like, uh, you can change the radio station anytime you want. Yep. Yeah. And I think what I look at it is I check actually in back into trauma later down the road. Mm -hmm. I should expect a different emotion to come up because that's growth. But in order to get to that point, I'll sit into where I am now. Yeah. And it then I, and then you can you can you can play around with that. It's hard to do that for some folks. Totally. But that's essentially what you're trying to do. It's the rewriting of the stories. I, I love how you guys are equating it to like an antenna and radio signal because sometimes it doesn't hit you right in that moment. It's kind of like that delay where it would hit you a planet five light years away in a couple months or a couple years. And it gets stored in our body. And the fact that you use movement as a tool to move emotions through as well, because they really do get stuck in your body. Not always, physical ailments aren't always, there's no physical reason. It's you've created a mental block or a emotional block that makes your shoulder hurt or catches in your hip. And if you can move that through or talk it through, it becomes this, you know, I'm one of those yoga teachers. So yeah, no, you're, you're, and I, I love the idea, but I mean, I'm one of those yoga teachers that is like slam the ground because that will feel good. Yeah. You're um, making a really beautiful point. Yeah. And, and I love that you use all of the tools in your toolbox, the fitness, the community aspect, the discussion, and also relating it back to a concept that a lot of people can understand, even if they have no background in any of the other stuff that yeah. you may be speaking of. So. Yeah, and, and something that, that brings up to me, you know, the, the idea of emotions getting stuck in the body, right? Mm -hmm. They get stuck in the body when we don't allow ourselves, when we don't allow that emotion to move through us freely. That's mm -hmm. where it gets stuck. Yeah. When we, when we stop it, when we block it, I'm scared. Oh my God, I'm going to hold on. I'm angry. No, I'm going to hold on. Instead of allowing that emotion, like, okay, I'm angry. Okay, anger, what do you need? How do you need to express this anger right now? Do I need to fucking smash a car or please don't do that? Go to a <laughs> rage room, punch a pillow. Like, what is it that you can do to allow that that energy to move through you? Because here's what trauma really is. Something that happens too, too much, too fast, too soon. Mm -hmm. That's trauma. Too much, too fast, too soon. And our nervous system is unable to process it. We don't allow our nervous systems to process it. So for example, when this, this happened to me, this is a more simple example. Um, I, I got into it with a homeless person, not even, I gave him something, um, food and he threw it on the ground. I got out of the car to grab it because he didn't even eat it and I was kind of annoyed because it was like one of those expensive little whatever it doesn't matter um and he started screaming at me for picking it back up it was weird <clears throat> um and I one of my big triggers and activators is being yelled at because mm -hmm. uh, you know family things and on my way home I noticed myself um I was very tense and I wanted to cry but I wasn't allowing myself to cry mm -hmm. and I was like holding it in holding it in and finally I was like dude, let it go. And I cried. I just let it out because it was something that happened too much, too fast, too soon. Mm -hmm. And I allowed that emotion to move through me freely. And it's amazing how much better I felt. And this is a very simple example. Um, in the book, um, in an unspoken voice, he talks about in the beginning, uh, Dr. Peter Levine talks about 
he gets into a car accident and his body's response because our nervous systems are our bodies are unbelievably intelligent. Mm -hmm. If you allow them to do what they're supposed to do and what they're meant to do, they will take care of a lot of it for you. It's our minds that jump in are like, no, 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 stop mm -hmm. the process. We're that you can't act like that because you're an adult. You da, da, da. Um, and he talks about he gets into this car accident and his body needed to shake and everybody's running over to him and even the paramedics were trying to hold him down. But because he had this knowledge, he said, I need y'all to back away for a second and let my nervous system do what it needs mm -hmm. to do. So he allowed his body to shake. And then his recovery process, all these doctors were like, holy shit, dude, how are you recovering so quickly? And so this is how he starts the book is, is allowing this energy to move through us mm -hmm. freely. And what happens if you did that? If we let go of these stories that because I'm a, an adult, I can't throw a temper tantrum. I'm sorry. My inner child went nowhere. I don't care how old I get. She is. She's right there. Mm -hmm. I will tell you her three biggest buttons. You fuck with them. She's coming out. Right. And when she needs something, I let her express. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a temper tantrum stomping around my house. Screaming. Screaming. Into the void. Yep. <laughs> screaming into the void. Crossing my arms and pouting. Me and my partner, like, we do this. I'm like, Lil, Lil D needs to throw a temper tantrum. Here we go. Can you hold space? Let me do it. And and so this idea of it getting stuck in the body, it only gets stuck in the body because we don't allow it to flow through. Mm -hmm. So if you're experiencing something, you notice anger is coming up. There's a healthy way to do this, right? I'm not saying go grab a baseball bat and smash somebody's car, but ask yourself, what is it that you need? How can you safely express that anger or that sadness? And see what happens. See how much <laughs> lighter you feel. And deep down, we are animals. We're, you know, we need to shake. We need to do those things. I have a seven-year-old niece that she's like, I need to shake today. And everyone, it, you know, just lets it happen. Whereas I remember being that age. And in the 90s, it was like, oh, maybe don't do that in public. But Rayanne will literally just start jumping around. That's and, a smart little girl. Yeah. She's like, I need to do this now. Yes. And they let her because that's what she needs Good in the moment. Too. Yes. But that's also learning from what didn't work in your child, totally. which is huge. Totally. And a lot of times it goes back to those patterns, those things that, you know, everybody does the best they can do in raising their child, getting older, and you just have to let them find the things that work for them. Me, it's screaming into the void and going into nature where nobody's going to talk to me. So I love it. Yeah. I mean, if you and if you are anything like me and you love nature documentaries and you've ever seen a gazelle who gets attacked by a mm -hmm. lion and and gets away, what does the gazelle do? Shakes. It shakes. Yeah. It shakes so that its nervous system can reset itself. Mm -hmm. It needs to release that energy and so again like what we're going back to here i feel like a lot of is we have the power to rewrite these stories that is owning your shit i don't know how long we've been talking i'll talk to you guys all fucking day so shut me up when when it's time to do my my lunch and learn but it's all good i it, was just watching for his appointments so oh, you're good. good we got a couple more they're waiting for you yeah. um but the the power here owning your shit is about taking your power back and rewriting the story mm -hmm. there is no way you should don't shit on me mm -hmm. i love my one of don't my coaches shit don't shit all over me um uh you have the power to rewrite that story mm -hmm. if you are showing up in a way because you think you should show up in that way you are literally putting shackles on yourself mm -hmm. you're not allowing yourself to be the truth of who you really are and i don't know any bigger just heartbreak than that and yeah I, I don't know any bigger heartbreak than that the person that doesn't even try the lost you know opportunities with all that potential 
mm-hmm. right? It's the person that doesn't even know how to get off the ground, mm-hmm. right? Like, where do I start? That's That seems to be the, the consensus, right? I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. I want to do better. It's conveniently not coming to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't find it in a pill. You know, it's, it is tough for the people out there. This has been a journey for everyone. The ups and downs are that, like, I'm like, I can cry when I want to because I know that's what helps my body feel better. I can go yell if I want to because I know that'll make my body feel better. I can also choose to walk away because I know that will make my body feel better too. The choices that you have, it's those are tools. Like, that's literally, like, the defining moment of your existence is the choice of what I want to do today, what I want to do tomorrow. You have the same hours every day. Yep. Right. And I think that what you're doing with your time is incredible. Thank you. Because you're really helping everyone realize their potential. Cool. Here's one last thing. I think he gave the signal of like, shut the fuck up, Dean. (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to cue you to, you have any final thoughts? I was just going to (laughs) say, if you're listening to this and you are one of those people that's like, this was great information, but like, where do I start? One simple question. One simple question you can ask yourself, what do I need right now? Maybe two simple questions. What do I need right now? And where is my power here? How can I empower myself in this moment? Stop blaming the people around you. I know that your mom did shit to you. I know that your dad did shit to you. I know that society has done shit to you. But what can you do for you? What can you do for you? It is your choice. It is your life. It is your world. So create it. Own your shit. And to close us out, where can where can our listeners find you? Please come talk to me about this. I could talk about this all day. Um, on the gram, at Danielle Gertner, daniellegertner.com. I also have a podcast, the Own Your Ship podcast. If you like what you're listening to, get more of it there. Also, thank you both so much. This has been a dream of mine for a long time, especially behind in front of the plant wall. So thank you. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you. Thank you.